Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep broadcasting. Go to 3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Elena McMaster. Well, it's been a horror year for attacks on workers with the Royal Commission, Witch Hunt and state government attacks on workers' rights across the country. Another group, though, has been even worse off, subjected to inhumane and cruel government policy, resulting in grievous suffering and, in some cases, death and torture. Stick with us as we look at the year it's been for asylum seekers trying to find protection in Australia. On the show this week, we catch up with Robin Rothfield, National Co-Convener of Labor for Refugees, for a roundup of the current situation for refugees trying to come to Australia and for those already here or in offshore detention. More from Robin later. On the 16th of December 2014, a Hazara man called Gulliston was forcibly removed from Maribyrnong Detention Centre to be deported back to Afghanistan. This comes just a few months after the last Hazara man deported by the Australian government was captured by the Taliban and tortured. We spoke with Chris Breen, spokesperson for the Refugee Action Collective at the gates of Maribyrnong Detention Centre in the Melbourne suburbs, just 10 minutes after police had removed protesters from the road to allow the Department of Immigration to transport Gulliston to the airport for deportation. We're at Maribyrnong Detention Centre where shamefully a 33-year-old Hazara man from Afghanistan, Gulistan, has just been taken. There were around 20 of us who got down here at very short notice and we were pushed and shoved quite violently out of the way by police. There were four colours of police, including riot police, who have pushed us out of the way and taken Gulistan off in a van. He was originally due to be deported on Wednesday. We are... Extremely concerned for the safety of Gulistan. He will be the third forced deportation to Afghanistan. We know that Zainullah, who was deported in August, a month after he was deported, he was captured by the Taliban. They found photos of Australia on his phone and he was tortured. And he only managed to get away by breaking a chain on his leg with a rock. Uh, Abdullah was deported to Kabul in August. He's from the same province, Jaguri, as Gulistan. And he is currently in Kabul without support. He's too terrified to take the road uh, journey from Kabul to Jagori. Afghanistan isn't safe. Gulistan isn't safe. Can you tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to this, what the Hazara community and refugee activists have been up to and what the federal government's been doing to push this deportation through? Certainly. There was a, a protest on Sunday outside the Immigration Department in Melbourne. There were around 200 people who turned up to that at very short notice again, mostly from the Hazara community, which is significant and important that they have mobilised. 
because sadly Gulistan is not the last person slated for deportation, particularly with the new legislation that Morrison passed through the Senate by effectively holding children hostage. Anybody who came after August 2012 will no longer have access to the Refugee Review Tribunal. And so I mean, Gulistan was rejected by the Refugee Tribunal wrongly. That was based on 2012 information. They say that Jigori is safe. They ignored the evidence from Professor William Maley that it wasn't safe. Just on the weekend gone, there were 19 people killed, including two US soldiers. So there was that protest. The Refugee Action Collective was organising to have a major presence out here. We had 200 people who were going to turn up. We were going to have a protest tonight and tomorrow morning, an overnight vigil. Sadly, now that has been cancelled, I guess. We will redouble our efforts in the new year. We had a vigil with several hundred people on Friday protesting the new legislation, which has a new fast-track process for asylum seekers, can allow asylum boats to be towed out to sea and left there and removes all references to the convention from the legislation. There is a lot that is wrong with refugee policy, but the, the refugee movement is growing. So I want to ask you what you've seen, the recent kind of acceleration of deportations and how that's impacting on people who are still in detention. So I know a lot of you spend a lot of time visiting detainees here at MITRE. Can you tell us about how people are feeling inside with the current state of refugee policy? It's mixed as to how people are feeling inside. It depends who you're talking to. Still only three people who've been deported this year. We do know that under the Howard government, people who deported to Afghanistan were killed. We'd be interested to know what travel documents they're using as well because the Afghan embassy in Canberra won't issue them. We think they're on illegal travel documents. Most of the people I've been speaking to recently have actually been on Manus Island and that's an entirely different situation again. They just had a hunger strike of 250 of them. That's over now, but they are angry that they've been there 17 months. There's no prospect of being released. There's a handful of children released from Christmas Island who came at the same time as the people on Manus. And they're now being told just today that 50 people from Manus will be resettled, but only on 12-month visas. They'll have to pay for their own medical expenses. They'll get 100 keener a week for a short time. That's about 46 bucks. And they can't bring their family for eight years. So it's cool. It's cool to the people in detention. There are 30,000 people in the community whose cases are still being processed. The Hazara community here tell me that there are a lot more people who've had their rejections from the Refugee Review Tribunal. We are worried about what is going to happen to them as well. So we would call on, Scott Morrison has the power to intervene, even as Gulistan is on the way to the airport. He could stop this. He doesn't have to send this man back to his death. If Morrison, if the people who made this decision think that Afghanistan is safe, they should go and take the road from Kabul to Jagori with their families this Christmas and, and show us. As we understand, the Hazara man, Gulistan, is being flown to WA at the moment. What avenues are there left to try and stop his deportation? Are there any? We're not sure if he's being. That was a little bit of speculation. If he is being flown to Western Australia, we certainly contacted the refugee movement in Perth. And we will see if we can get them to mobilise. At this point, it's, it's very difficult. We have been contacting lawyers exhaustively. The, the legal opinion we had, sadly, was that there were no legal avenues, that the law is wrong. And so unless we find a flight, unless a pilot refuses to fly a plane with a deportee, which has happened in the past, it's, it's not looking good. Chris, can I just ask what's happened in the past as far as the tactic of blockading, considering that legal avenues aren't looking very promising? Can you just talk about this tactic and the effectiveness of people actually coming down and trying to physically block the removal of people when it comes to this kind of last-ditch stage of the, of the protest? 
we have had a number of blockades now, not only with deportations, but removal of people to Nauru. And we're also worried there are five mothers and their newborn babies in Mita Broadmeadows. There's an injunction until January 30th, but we think they're going to be removed to Nauru after that, so we'll be doing a blockade again. The reality is we haven't stopped a deportation with a blockade, but nonetheless, it does matter mobilising people. It does get the story into the media, which often otherwise gets ignored, even if we get overwhelmed by the media about the siege at the moment. It builds up networks of people who continue to protest about asylum seeker policy. As bad as things get, Scott Morrison is under immense pressure. That he had to offer sweeteners, such as giving work rights to people in the community to release some children from detention is an indication of that. The recent legislation was a win for him in the end, but he is under pressure. We've got a big mobilisation coming up Palm Sunday, uh, March 29 next year. We had 10,000 people. We want to double that. Yeah, the, the blockades are worth doing. Can I ask also just on the blockades what impact that has for the people who are inside, as far as their own spirit, knowing that people are outside and putting their bodies on the line to try and prevent what they you know, acknowledge is a pretty horrible thing for the government to be doing? Many people who are inside have felt completely isolated, have felt under siege, uh, for want of a better word, and do appreciate the visits, get heart that there are people fighting for them, that they have not been abandoned by the rest of humanity. There was a, a recent protest we were at and I remember there was a middle-aged man who came out and who recognised one of the people who had protested when he was inside. came and said, thank you and hello. So it does make a difference. Yeah, it is worth doing. If we are going to stop these things, we need more people involved. The Refugee Action Collective welcomes anybody and everybody to get involved. Our first meeting for next year will be Monday 19th of January, 6.30pm at 540 Elizabeth Street, which is the Nurses' Union building. New people are always welcome. Please come along. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you. That was Chris Brain, spokesperson for the Refugee Action Collective, speaking outside Maribyrnong Detention Centre, where protesters, including members of the Hazara community, had unsuccessfully attempted to prevent the deportation of a Hazara detainee back to Afghanistan. I was speaking to Chris with 3CR programmer Mark Fox. You're listening to Stick Together, all about workers' rights and social justice. Every week on the Community Radio Network. Now to Robin Rothfield, co-convener of Labor for Refugees, to discuss the state of refugee policy this year. Well, the, the, the situation for asylum seekers is, is deteriorating. It's going, getting worse and uh, going from bad to worse. Uh, we, the situation now is that, um, well, boats can be turned back and, and sent to any other country, even including countries that have uh, not signed the Refugee Convention. Uh, they, uh, they can be uh, left, they could be left uh, according to the legislation. They could be left anywhere, so in the open sea even. Um, the situation for asylum seekers here who are being processed, the, the most they can hope for is temporary protection visas, which... Um, means that they can't ha- have family reunion, they can't bring members of the family here. 
and the consequences of temporary protection visas are not what uh, Minister Scott Morrison has claimed, um, quite the rev uh, where he claimed it would uh, act as a deterrent to people coming, quite the reverse. You had the case of the C of X in 2001, where 353 asylum seekers drowned uh, b while attempting to be reunited with their loved ones. So temporary protection visas is a particularly uh, harmful and, and retrograde uh, and cruel step. A couple of things on these latest amendments to the Migration Act uh, on, on the appeals process, that there are now no, to be no more appeals to the... Um, to the High Court. I mean, that's a totally retrograde action, uh, putting the government more or less above the above the law. I, I, I would say. Now, and whether that can be one of the very retrograde points is the uh, aspects of it is the removal of reference to the Refugee Convention. Well, that, that's a particularly shameful thing to do, particularly in the light of the fact that not only was Australia a signatory. To this convention um, signed by the Menzies government in 1954, but also Australia was one of the initiators, one of the drafters, one of a group of about six countries that actually worked in in, in drafting the um, the refugee convention. So it's particularly shameful that uh, that the current government would want to run away from from an from part of our uh, very proud history. The the UN Refugee Convention of 1951. Sure. So, just in terms of the so the government's claims around um, around the changes they've made to the Migration Act, and you've already mentioned that one of the claims has been that they've stopped the boats and therefore saved people's lives from from um, drowning and trying to make the crossing. So, in a in a recent book published by Labor for Refugees. Um, Julian Burnside talks about this claim and talks about um, the hypocrisy of using, uh, you know, using the justification of saving lives to then mistreat asylum seekers who do manage to um, find themselves either on Australian soil or in an Australian detention centre off offshore. Do you want to comment further on yes, that? Yes, uh, the, the point about stopping the boats, whereas the boats might have been stopped from coming here, that has not... Uh, solved the problem. It's merely relocated the problem so that asylum seekers uh, may not drown on their way to Australia, but they've, they've got to deal with situa their situations elsewhere. They could be drowning elsewhere or, or being persecuted or, um, or, or suffering from their situation elsewhere. Now, the... the, the Mark Hutton, who runs the C of X website, has estimated after careful study that about 2% of uh, asylum seekers drown on boats on their way to Australia. Now, the, the, uh, that, that has to be compared to what happens to those who, who, who can't get here. So they're... they're Run risk of their being persecuted, their lives are at stake in, in many countries from which they flee. Now, in, Indi in, in, in Indonesia, for example, sort of the holding centre for uh, asylum seekers on their way to Australia, uh, they, they don't have a life there. They, uh, 
they can't get a job, they can't send their children to school, and they run the risk any day they can be rounded up by police and beaten. So that's not, not sort of, that's no life. So by stopping the boats, we're simply relocating the problem and people will suffer elsewhere uh, instead of on their way to Australia. So, Robin, I, I, I guess that leads me to um, one of the aspects of the changes to the Migration Act, which was raising the risk threshold for refoulement um, from 10% to 50%, um, which the Immigration Minister, Scott Morrison, says recognises the government's interpretation of our obligations under the UN Convention, which, of course, explicitly forbids refoulement, um, so that, that apparently the... If, if people are, are more likely to be harmed than not, you can't, they can't be returned to the country from which they've fled. Um, so they've raised that risk threshold to 50%, suggesting that you know if it's over 50%, that means more likely than not. So I guess there's a few numbers in there, but it seems particularly callous to me. This, um, yes, it's, it's totally unprincipled because under the existing system where you talk about 10%, the documented cases of asylum seekers being deported to Afghanistan who, who, who have been killed by the Taliban. Uh, quite a few cases, have, and quite recently, there was one well-publicised case uh, of a man who um, was, was, it was said that he was safe if he, he stayed in Kabul. Well, it turned out to be not the case. He was, uh, he was killed. Uh, so... Um, and, and you can't live your life just being confined to one to to one city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, so uh, this is a very cruel and unprincipled uh, development by the by Scott Morrison. Um, so Labor for Refugees, of course, um, is made up of members of the Labor Party, and for a long time, uh, your policy um, has differed significantly from the policies. Um, of the Federal Labor Party. Can you talk a bit about uh, what you and, and members of Labor for Refugees are trying to do within the party and, and um, yeah, how, how successful or, or not you've been in trying to yeah. move the Federal Labor Party's policy on this? We're trying very hard to get the parliamentary party to adhere to the party's platform. Uh, we're finding that very difficult. Um, and the, the parliamentary party... Uh, leadership have, have been um, quite dishonest in the way that they have um, answered us by they will point to clauses such as the Bali process and, and saying that, that, that it's within that they're entitled to do what they've done. But th- that's clearly not the case. And the, 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 uh, the platform is very, very clear. It says at, at least three times in in different ways, that um, those coming here to seek our protection uh, uh, must be processed by Australians on Australian territory. Very clear, simple, unambiguous statement. Asylum seekers coming here must be landed here, processed here by Australians on Australian territory. And the party, the parliamentary party, are simply not adhering to the platform. So we're this will come up again at the next national conference in July, and we will try and uh, reinforce those provisions. We'll try and make them stronger 
uh, more clear-cut, uh, and we will try and hold the, part, the parliamentary party to account to oblige them to, to, to uh, adhere to the platform. And, um, Robin, the Labor for Refugees policies actually go a bit further than that platform in terms of um, protecting the rights of refugees, don't they? Can you, can you tell us what the, policy is that Labor, what the policies are that Labor for Refugees have and what, I guess, which you're obviously trying to um, yeah, see the Federal Labor Party uh, adopt? Yeah, well, we'd be a, a, a little bit um, um, less. We, we'd be a, a little bit more clear cut on, for example, mandatory detention, where we'd say they should only be detained for purposes of processing their health, security, and, and identity, and that that should be done within 90 days, uh, otherwise released, except by order of a court. That would be our policy on mandatory detention. Uh, uh, yes, so uh, then on, on the operation of detention centres, we would say that should be in, in public hands, uh, as not, not, uh, not private operators. Yeah, I found, actually found that aspect of your policy particularly compelling given that a lot of the... Um, uh, difficulties that um, refugee, like refugees have been released into the community and continuing advocacy work and refugee advocacy organisations have in um, pushing for more just policy is that it's very difficult to find out in many cases what's going on in detention centres, um, not just because they're offshore but also often because they're, um, they're covered by commercial incompetence, so it's difficult to get information out about information about what is actually in the contract that's been signed with these private providers. Yes, well, that, that's right, and um, we raised this even with um, with Chris Evans when he was minister, and um, uh, he, uh, but but he he wasn't able to do anything about that. Um, so, um, yeah, so our position is it should be in, 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 uh, in public hands, not, not private operators. Uh, why did Chris Evans, why did he feel that he wasn't able to do anything about it while he was minister? I think he said that there were contracts that had already been signed and um, when we were more or less stuck with the system. I think that was the gut to his answer. But there, was there a feeling uh, that the Federal Labor Party would consider moving towards um, shifting those from private? I think there might have been a hint that when the contract expired, they, we could look at it again. I think so. But that uh, memory of a few years back, though, yeah. by, by, by his actions. So, so on the um, 16th of December, around 20 people, a refugee activists and, and members of the Hazara community tried to prevent the deportation of a Hazara man from the Maribyrnong Detention Centre here in Melbourne. He was, um, they, he was actually taken early, so uh, the planned vigil and, and you know, um, the planned action to try and prevent that deportation was um, unsuccessful, as it may have been anyway. Um, so, and we spoke with Chris Breen uh, from the Refugee Action Collective about that. 
he mentioned that the only successful effort to stop a deportation uh, in Australia happened in 1998 when the Transport Workers Union responded to calls from refugee advocacy groups um, and the UN and Amnesty International to stop the deportation of a Somali asylum seeker. What do you think about these kind of uh, strategies taking more direct action and and, uh, using the power of organised labour to try and prevent deportations when we're in such dire straits in terms of policy? And I should mention, of course, that there's bipartisan consensus at the moment for offshore um, detention and, uh, sorry, offshore processing and mandatory detention. Yes, I, I think union action to, to prevent deportations, which are going to lead to um, breaking our um, commitment to of non-refoulement, uh, unions such as you've described are totally legitimate and, 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 w- and I would encourage them, as I'd say, first class, first class. That was Robin Rothfield from Labor for Refugees. And that's Stick Together for this week and the last show for 2014. We can hope that 2015 will bring us some justice in some of these struggles if we stick together and struggle together. A huge thanks to our guests Chris Breen and Robin Rothfield. And of course, thanks to all of you for listening in throughout the year. If you'd like to get in touch with us to tell us about any social justice or industrial struggles happening in your part of the country or just to tell us what you reckon about the show, please send us an email at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or you can give us a call on 03-9419-8377. You can also hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Stick Together is produced on Wurundjeri land at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network to land stolen from Aboriginal people all over the country. We are grateful for financial support received from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Remember, if you miss the broadcast, you can listen to us streaming online or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au. My name's Elena McMaster. I'll catch you next time. to a 
3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. You can find us at 3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Let's find the truth.